Welcome to Victory Church Podcast. At Victory, we are committed to connecting people to God, His church and their purpose. For more information, visit victorychurch.net.au. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. Amen. Hey, I'm, I'm uh, so pleased tonight. Thank you, Pastor Tony and Kathy and the ministry team here. And uh, the friends that's here tonight that have come, I so appreciate it. I thank God for this week. I have an incredible, I mean, my life is incredibly busy. And, and uh, I'm, I'm so appreciative of people. I love people because the church is not about people. The church is people. Yes. And, uh, and I love people. I love working with people. And uh, I met up with a psychologist, or yeah, yeah, a clinical psychologist in Singapore, who really wanted to connect with me uh, on a recent visit. And uh, she took me for lunch, and we spent a bit of time uh, over lunch, and quite an extended lunch time. And you know, she was pouring out to me so many things. She had been really looking forward to connecting with me, and she started pouring out a lot of stuff about life and the difficulties and the problems. And she says to me, "Don't you get sick at the end of a day?" You know, she said, sometimes I just don't want to listen to anybody else's problems. She said, "All oh, that our kind of business," she says is just problems. She says, how do you work with that? And I said, well, I'm not quite sure how you work with it in your practice, but for me, I finish the day more excited than when I started. I don't feel drained at all. And, and she says, but I, I go home. And I, I said, oh, no, no, lady, I close the door, immediately detach, and no matter how nice the people are I've talked to, they're over. That's it. It's finished. Uh, and if they commit suicide afterwards, it's not my fault. I, <laughs> I have closed the door to that. Normally when I finish in the afternoon, I'll go with my wife for a coffee. And we'll, because she works there, she's my administrator. And so uh, I'll take, we go for a coffee. We have one in the morning before I start and one in the afternoon if we can. And I'll just go with her. I'm switched off. And I said, lady, I don't carry this. If I start carrying this... I'm going to be incredibly limited, and I have counseled thousands of people, and I would be incredibly limited because I know this, that my primary job is to point another to another. I don't point people to me. I don't carry their load. I don't carry their burden. I don't. I'm married. I got enough of my own. <laughs> Amen. I say these things because my wife's not here. <laughs> and, and so it's okay. I, I can get away with doing something like that. But uh, uh, it, it is important, though, to enjoy whatever you do. If you don't enjoy, if you're not really enjoying what you do, don't do it. Yeah. Do something you enjoy. Amen. Yeah. I, I grew up in, in a, in a kid in the Presbyterian church. And uh, uh, growing up, we learned the Westminster Shorter Catechism. And we had to say, answer all the questions in that before examiners and so on. I will always remember the first question. It said, what is the chief end of man? And the answer was, man's chief end is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. Amen. And I want to enjoy living. Glory to God. And it's been a blessing to be able to be 
ministering the Word of God, reaching people's lives, you know it is so fulfilling and so satisfying when you see the lights coming on, you see people walking from their bondage to their freedom, from their darkness to their light, and being able to come and say what an incredible thing it is to find answers and to find clues and to be able to live well, to be able to live better. Amen. That's a good thing about it. Glory to God. And so I'm, I'm, I'm thrilled about it. And, and tonight we're going to spend a little bit of time in this book. But hey, the, I, I don't know if you knew, but uh, Paddy, you know Paddy, he's an Irishman. <laughs> and Paddy would go to the library a lot. And anyhow, he comes back and he's really, really mad. He's so angry. And he comes back and he slams the book down on the desk to the receptionist. He said, that's the worst book I've ever seen. I have no belief, can believe how you ever have these kind of books. He said, the thing has got no plot. It's got far too many characters. He said, it's a terrible book. And she calmly looked up at him and she said, so you're the one that took the phone book. <laughs> <laughs> hey, well... This book has a lot of plots in it, and it has a lot of characters in it, but it's well worth reading, amen, because this is his word to our lives, amen. That's, that's good, isn't it? So I'm going to do what I normally do. I'm going to start off with helping you to look beyond uh, me. <laughs> I was thinking... I was thinking about Kathy tonight being called the wrong name, and then she says, uh, she's saying, well, Jen... Over here to Debbie. <laughs> but Jen's a really old person. <laughs> so she called her Jen. So you see that there, there you go. Both of them are really going over the hill. <laughs> Sometimes it's good to get the name right, is it not? Yeah, sure. Amen. So I want another picture next time. I want another picture where I'm actually smiling and not telling somebody off. But it was either the devil or him, and I, it's okay. Everybody else looked good in that but me. Now, let's have that first picture because I like everybody to see this. And the reason that I do... That's exactly what I wanted to hear, but it was not enough people saying it. <laughs> All right, you can have a close-up view because maybe you don't notice that so much. There's another one. <laughs> she says to me... Don't put close-ups up, please. She said, they see my wrinkles. I said, honey, you look great. I don't know what you're using, but I can't see them. <laughs> Amen. Now, the reason I put this up is because people always ask, and they, there's people sit down imagining, I wonder who he's married to. I wonder what his wife looks like. I wonder if she look a lot better than him. I wonder how he's married, up or down. What does he do? How has he done? How has he gone? So now I answer all the questions by just putting this up. Next year, we will be married 50 years. Yes. So while I've been away on this trip, she has booked a cruise. She's taken it into her own hands how we're going to celebrate our 50th. Well, Amen. But I want to tell you something tonight. I am not a good husband. I am not a good father. I am not a good grandfather. 
So I don't want you coming to me for some clues that after 50 years I must have a few ideas about marriage. Because I have learned a lot. And actually, I love her more now than when I married her. Now the important thing is, I am not any of those things. But there's a life in me that's a good husband. There's a life in me that's a good father. There's a life in me that's a good grandfather. There's a life in me that's a good Christian. But the life is not mine. I do not attribute 50 years to being Mr. Wonderful and never getting it right. We are here tonight exactly what the pastor was saying. I am here and going into my 58th year, not because of anything wonderful about me, but because of the amazing grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. His grace in my life. If there, was, if there was one thing that I could probably say, probably that I would think, if somebody said to me quickly, well, what do you think you might attribute to in your life? One of the most important things in our marriage would be my wife's total unselfishness. She's the most giving person. She's totally unselfish. You can ask if you don't know that Debbie uh, and Peter know her. And nice to have you with me. Thank you for bringing me up and down. And no wonder you got it right with the bodyguard thing. The guy used to be in the police force, so you, you, you got that right. Now, they, they, for, for to be able to do that. And so what is really, really important for me tonight is that I want you to see something else. And I'm going to talk about a number of things that I would really like to share that's on my heart. And I want to look at something differently. I want to talk about a God that's unlimited and a God that's limited, and I want to talk about timing, and I want to talk about a number of things together, and we'll put a title to it somewhere along the line. So if you're looking for a title, I'll find one while we're preaching. <laughs> Amen. Amen. I won't be rolling around on the stage like I've seen some preachers. <laughs> I don't live in a bubble, I live in the real world. And anyhow... <clears throat> I've just been following some preachers recently, and I, I, I noticed that. <laughs> Amen. So the Bible says tonight that we are fearfully and wonderfully made. Amen. The Irish are fearfully made, and Australians are wonderfully made. I don't know about the Italians. They're a problem. Hey, hey, <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're so far in the left field you can't describe the thing that's, that's a problem you know, and I happen to be caught up with them and some, good, some of them are here tonight but um, they may stay friends with me after the message, I don't know Amen so we need to get, we need to get on to this one of the things that I, I, I want you to see is uh, let's go up to the next thing brother you haven't got Uncle Ray up as the doctor thing I want you to understand this. When I'm working with people, the one big thing that comes up, particularly in a Christian situation, is people who get discouraged. It's easy to get discouraged. Has anybody in this gathering tonight ever been discouraged? Have you ever been disillusioned? Now, disillusionment's a wonderful thing. When you're disillusioned, then it means that you're under an illusion in the first place. So disillusionment is actually a really good thing. And sometimes we get discouraged and sometimes we get disillusioned. Sometimes we get disheartened and sometimes we feel like giving up. Have you ever been there at all? 
Absolutely. And so tonight, I want to speak in to you on the way that I see working with people and Christian people and staff and ministry and help to spread that out to be able to see something that I really believe in God speaking into our lives. Amen. One of the most important things is understanding time. We did not know this until about the 20th century, that time is a physical property. And what's important about doing that is, it, I mean, we live time in the events of, uh, as a sequence. So therefore, behind us is the past, ahead of us is the future. In our dimension, we can only go in one direction. You can move forward and look back, but you can't move back or look forward. Have you found that out at all? How many people want to do both? How many people would like to go back? If you would go back, what would you do? Oh boy, I don't need to ask you too many answers for that, yeah? But you can't go back, nor can we look forward. We don't have that ability. But God is outside time and God is not time restricted. Now, one of the things that is important for me is that the older I get, the less I understand God. When I was a young pastor, I was so intelligent. <laughs> I had theology totally wrapped up. I had an answer for everybody, and I knew the lot. And now I virtually know nothing. <laughs> because as soon as I think that I have God tagged, he somehow slips out from under my tag. And God doesn't do what I want him to do. And no wonder the Bible comes to somebody like me and says, well, who's ever been his counselor? Tell me, have you ever tried to counsel God? He hasn't got it right. He doesn't know what he's doing. He should have used more wisdom. He should have done it better. That should never have happened. Have you ever tried to counsel God? Yeah. A puny little mind. And I have tried to counsel God. I know the people here, and like Lisa and I, we, we have lost loved ones. I've lost, lost our grandson at 12 years old. And there's lots of things. I work with a lot of hurting people. And we, we try out of the puniness of our mind, out from a time frame, that we are actually trying to tell God how it should be. Tonight, I want us to be released. It's hard, so hard, to try to live outside time and see it from God's perspective. Tonight, I know that we always say something about looking up, but, I, uh, but I'll tell you tonight, one of the most important things for me is to be looking down. I need to look down. We have been raised up together and made us sit together in heavenly places. And I'm looking down. If I look up, I can be in trouble and I can only see the mess around me and a limited space. But when I get up and look down, I begin to see like God sees. I see a different perspective to something. And more than anything else, I have learned to yield in some way until the next time. I have learned to yield that this is how it is. This is the way that it is. But I want to comfort your heart tonight. I want to go through one or two things with you in the time that I have, whatever that is. And I don't see clocks and I don't understand how to read them. And that's all right. Amen. So I do. And tonight, it's, it's like Corrie ten Boom says, I want us to nestle, not wrestle. I want us to nestle and not wrestle. I know we struggle. 
In the humanness of our time frame, we struggle. We struggle in a human body. We struggle in a body of flesh. We struggle with so many things. All things tonight that even the pastor had just said. And we struggle. And we can struggle against temptation. And we struggle against hardship. And we struggle about a lot of things. Tonight, I want to encourage you that when we come in as believers to the church of Jesus Christ, we are not like those people outside before they come to Jesus where life is a struggle and life is hard. But you and I tonight, we can come to our heavenly Father and we can nestle and not, and not wrestle. Amen. Why do I want... It is, and I understand it. And when you have lived to my age, and I'm probably one of the oldest here. Yeah, don't say amen, that's good. <laughs> but one of the most wonderful things is coming to this age is that you get to the place that you just don't care. It's so good not to care. Amen. I don't care. I don't care, but I don't care. Do you know, the revelation in my heart is to be free from caring because I have a God who has said to me, cast some of your cares, all of your cares, on me because I care. And if he cares, why should two of us be caring? And he cares a whole lot better than I care. And I come to the place, I think, that's it. This is what it's doing on. This is what's happening. And have you not found yourself that for to care does not change a single thing? It loads you down, it overwhelms you, and it stops you nestling, and you start wrestling. Amen. There's a place for the people of God of rest. Beautiful Beautiful rest. It is not lying back in a hammock being fed grapes in the Bahamas. <laughs> That's a nice indulgent thought. But, but, the, but the fact is, it's about resting. People say to me, your life's going, 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 and you preach the abiding life message. That's the truth. Because I carry my rest with me. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. That, that, that now for me, he's there 24-7 and I am in him and he is in me and I can abide in him. Amen. That I don't have to get it wrong. Do you know, miracles. One of the things about miracles. I came in at Pentecost like a lot of these young people that are up here. I came in when I was like you as a teenager and I came out of a very dysfunctional home and alcoholic, abusive home and I found Jesus on my way to a soccer match. You've heard me probably say that before. And on my way to a soccer match, I found Jesus. Well, I came in to Pentecost. It was a whole shock. It was a whole difference and a whole other world. And I saw I saw so many miracles. I probably might have seen every miracle except the raising of the dead. I could tell you about so many things. In those days, we listened to the great men. We listened to people like Steve Jeffries, Stephen Jeffries. We listened to people like T.L. Osborne and Oral Roberts. And we listened to people of like Jack Coe and William Branham. 
We listened to people who carried an incredible message and an incredible anointing. And I saw so many people getting healed and many other men. Then there were great men. I travel the world today. I do not see today what I saw then. That's a fact. I do not see that. If somebody died with cancer when, we were, when I was a teenager, it was the biggest shock in the whole world. But now I don't see the same thing taking place. And people are discouraged, and then they come up to God to why. May I humbly say this to you tonight. In the midst of our hurt and our humanness and everything else, the one thing that I find, the closer that I live to Him, the less questions I have. The closer I live to Jesus, the less questions I have. When I start moving away from him, I have a thousand questions and none of them have got an answer. And then I want to counsel him and tell him how he should have done it and he should have done it different to the way that it is. Do you know what? I don't propose to say how I know and why that's the case because we are accelerating toward the consummation of this age. We are closer than when we first believed. But let me tell you something tonight. Try and see if you can grab this. It's not on the screen, so let me see if you can grab this. Uh, as, as Pastor said, it's fast and it's Irish. <laughs> he can interpret it afterwards. <laughs> the day of the one-man show is over because the day of the one-man show has come. When somebody becomes nobody and gets lost in the body because God will never give his glory to anybody. And if I was to look at what's happening today, is Pentecost charismatic in, in my day was so great that in the end, people started chasing gifts. They started chasing miracles. They started chasing signs and wonders. And then Jesus said, and they, they forgot a lot. The fact is, the giver was left behind because I just want the gift. I want the miracle. I want this, and I want this, and I want this. And God has somehow, in the season that you and I live, and why we should never be discouraged or ask such questions, God is up to something different. Amen. And the reason that I believe this, and please don't see that this is the all-encompassing answer to it, but it's sure one of the ones that I see very, very clearly, because I believe, and let me repeat it again, the day of the one-man show is over because the day of the one-man show has come. This is the day of the revelation of Jesus Christ. Amen. And God is pointing people back to Jesus, bringing people back to Jesus. We chase so easy signs and wonders. Naturally, I love them. Naturally, I like a quick fix. Naturally, I want it to happen. Naturally, I want it. Have you ever noticed this? You heard about the revivals that were taking place in Argentina. You probably heard about those. And I was all excited about them, so much excited. So I go down to Argentina. And I'm working and I'm talking with, a, with a, my interpreter, uh, Ramondo. And I said, Ramondo, I want you to let, give me some insights into the revivals. I want you to talk to me about the revivals. And I'm so excited because I've heard so much about these revivals. And uh, Ramondo has been uh, uh, one of the main interpreters for, uh, for Leighton Ford, you know, Billy Gang's brother-in-law. And, and so he had been there and going to all the places and everything. And so he's a big name interpreter. I said, tell me about it. I'm excited about it. I want to... He looked at me and he said, what are you talking about? I said, I'm talking about the revivals in Argentina. He's a raised, 
there's some good things happening. He said, but I don't know if you call them revivals, depending on what you call them. I said, so there's no big outspread and great things happening and all the stuff going on. He says, I've not heard of it. I've not seen it. Hey, have you ever noticed that? Healings, miracles, and revival is always who you're not. Have you ever noticed that? Now, do you know the thing is, is it's a miracle you're here tonight. It's a miracle you're in the meeting tonight. It's a miracle that I'm even talking to you. To be sure. It really is. Because you know why? The Bible says, and Jesus himself said, it's a wicked and a perverse generation that seeks for a sign. And then he says, but these signs shall follow them that believe. Do you see this is a very important thing in what God's doing in the church today? Signs and wonders we must not seek, but they will follow when we lift up Jesus. So we don't seek signs and wonders, but they follow us. And I believe that God has been taking from me personally, from what I've seen in the past, that God has been taking me into the splendor and the wonder and the greatness of the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. I'm as excited about miracles as anybody else. I really am. But you know, for me, it is so, so beautiful to walk in the garden and listen to the whispers of Jesus. Just listen to the whispers of Jesus. Do you know, hearing the voice of the Lord, He is bringing His church into another dimension, into another place of intimacy and closeness. I am starting to enjoy more intimacy today than I've ever done since I was born again first. When I was born again, I just lived in his presence. I just stayed in his presence. When I knew the least, I experienced the most. Do you see the presence of God is what Jesus is talking about. We're not getting into the, all the miracle stuff. And I want to know that, that God's not tied to my thinking. I more and more see that when I just get lost in Him, I move out of here because God does not live in time. Time lives in God. And when God makes a decision, He makes a decision from eternity. He never makes a decision from time. If I could clue into that, I would have the answers. But since I'm not God, I will not know many of those answers. Therefore, I'm better to shut up and I'm better to listen to what he's saying and listen to his heartbeat because I will only know in a later time, in a later place. Let me tell you something tonight. I want to talk about, let's make sure this is the heading. It could be the heading. I don't understand God. A God who can't be understood. If you understand him, you should be preaching instead of me. A God that cannot be understood. Barbara Johnson said, she said, the older I get, the less I understand God, but the more I love him. Do you see, this is about my personal relationship. This is about, I don't know. I cannot understand it. I cannot understand. No, why? Of course I can't understand it. Because I'm locked into that little space. I, I can look back, but I can't go back. I can't even look forward. I'm locked in. But God's not locked in. My God's not locked in. When I come with my little fears and concerns and worries and everything else, I am trying to lock God into my little space and God's looking from eternity. And God will bring an answer from eternity that he knows is going to draw me into his presence, the revelation of his son. He will permit from eternity and he will stop from eternity. What God 
could, per, could God could prevent in his power, he permits in his wisdom. God permits it from eternity. He prevents it from eternity. And we don't know that that's good for us. That's why when the Bible says all things work together for good, when all things work together for good, it's only as God interprets good. Because you and me do not know what's good for us because most of the stuff we think is bad and we tell God that it's bad, but we say, but all things are supposed to work together for good. And we lock it in to a definition of our understanding of good which proves that we're eating from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and we're actually thinking we know what's good. God never designed for me to know good. He never designed for me to know evil. And actually, knowing good is as bad as knowing evil if God has not permitted it. What God ever wanted us to do was to know Him. Just to know Him. Amen? But you know what? I don't know about Him. I don't know all about Him. I never will. But you know what's so much better tonight? Oh, hallelujah. More sweeter, nicer, and more precious that I am known by Him. Amen? And he knows my heartache, and he knows my hurts, and he knows my path, and he knows my grief, and he knows everything is going on, and he knows, but God is on the job. God has not given up on you. He has not given up on me. And tonight we are only in this meeting, totally by the grace of God. Amen. I could tell you miracles in my life tonight, which I don't have time for, in things that God has done. But I can't understand why he would have done them more often. But God did what he did when he did it, and he made his own mind up, not mine. Amen. I am so locked in. Oh, Father, help me to have a look from the heavenly places. Help me to have a look from up the top and look down and look down at my problems instead of looking up at them and trying to look out of my mess. And we can live, instead of being like a turkey in a turkey pen, we can be an eagle flying in the wings of the eagle. Amen. You see that? Glory to God. Now I've got to keep going here. Let me, let's see what's next. There's something next. Is anybody up there? This is, ha, God of the Breakthrough, there's a title. Science Chasing, we talked about that. Here's what I want you to see. This is important. Miracles and healings are not an indication of our great faith. They are not a vindication of our ministry or the accuracy of our theology. They are the grace and the mercy of God. So just look at that for one moment before we move on. I want us to get that because somehow you would think, maybe you think, boy, if I had great faith, you know, if I was like the pastor, and some of us, even your own pastor, has been through challenging situations. We know people like gorgeous Lisa who's been through a lot of pain. But you know what? Life has got a lot of pain. And that's what the former things are. The Bible says the former things, that's what they are. They're like that. And then we wonder, boy, if, only I, had a, if I had had more faith, that would have been the thing. If I just had more faith. That's what people kept telling me whenever my grandson died. We hadn't enough faith. We didn't have enough faith. We didn't fight enough. We didn't rebuke the devil enough. We didn't do anything enough. All the time they're telling me that, but he's still in his little casket. And I made it very clear in the two-hour funeral service that I did that it had nothing to do with that. Because you know why? We are on this planet preparing for eternity. And for most of us, it takes 70 years. 
And obviously, I'm more stupid than most because I'm still going. (laughs) And I told them at the funeral, I said, Tom made it in 12. Don't go the devil took him. Don't go the black of faith took him. Don't go nothing like that. Tom made heaven in 12 years. He was ready for heaven. Amen. God determines the time because the times are not in my hands. They're in his hands. Amen. And he takes it according to what does. Glory to God. Okay, okay, let's go some more. Oh, here we go. We're going to read from this scripture. This is what we're doing now. Now, Because sometimes we don't bring the Bibles with us, I want to read this with you. Now, when the Philistines, because this is very, very significant to a real miracle touch in my life, I want to do this with you there. Now, when the Philistines heard that David had been anointed king over all Israel, all the Philistines went up to search for David. And David heard of it and went out against them. Then the Philistines went and made a raid on the valley of Rephim, meaning giants. That's what they look like to us. Our lives, daily problems, daily situations, they look like that. And what they do is they finish up looking like this. Here, in a a natural sense, we look at them and we see this, and here's this thing over here. Now, this is like a problem. This is a difficulty. This This is my husband. This is my wife. This is the issues. This is what I'm dealing with. This is what I find. And, and we look at that. Now, instead of realizing how God cares and try and see something from his perspective and rise up for him, now I start looking at this. And then I look at it and I look at it and I look at it and I look at it until it takes up half my day. And then if I keep going, I obsess. And the next thing I know, are you still there? And the next thing it takes up my day. Do you know your problem can take up your day or God can take up your day? Looking away, Hebrews 12 says, looking away from, looking away from, looking away from. Do you see here in this hand of mine? This is good therapy. Here on here is a lot of problems. Here's life's issues. Here's the things that I'm dealing with. Here's the impossible situations. Here's the pain that I'm in. It's all on there. It can fill up my head so fast. So a little bit of mental therapy. This is a free counseling session. Now, you look at that and you see it, yes? Now, here's what happens. So, this is what happens. You, you, you could help me with this. Put your hands up. Yeah, this is a semi-praise. Now, <laughs> you, you put your hand up. Look at this. Look at your left hand. Now, try left. Le- no, 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 you put your hands together, Dan. I'll, make, I'll, I'll do the, the, the exercise. So, here, here's my left hand. Look at your left hand. Think about what's been mounting up on you this week. What's been the problem for you this week? What's been going on this week? You take it out of the head and we put it on the hand. Have you got it on there yet? I guess some of us need a lot longer before we put it. <laughs> Maybe you need a bigger hand. Uh, 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 I don't know, but have you got it on there yet? You think you got it out? Well, then you have a limited problem, so there's no reason to even do the exercise. Now, we, we've got it on the hand, yes? Now, this hand here, we got this right hand. This is right. Now, this hand here is Jesus, yes? So here's Jesus. What I want you to do is I want you to look at your problem. This is what we will do in life. Look at your problem. 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 Whatever gets your attention gets you. You will never get freedom from anything you focus on. 
So right now, I go here, and right now, look at this. You're not tired already, surely. <laughs> There's a lot of you need to be in therapy. Now, <laughs> what we're doing now is, is we've got it. And now here's what happens. Look at this. Finally, bang. And... <laughs> You're a bad lot. Now, <clears throat> now, here's what happens. In the end, my problem blocks out Jesus and I get a sun's eclipse. S-O-N. And now I've lost sight of him. And now I'm in a mess. Because now I start to struggle, I start to wrestle, I start to question, I start doing everything. Why? Because my world is so dark, my world is so hard, I can't see anything. And oh, brother, you need to pray for me because I'm in a bad way. But here's what the Bible says. Let's go back. Listen, I'm older than you. Now, Here's what I want you to see. The Bible says, unless you've got a bad neck or there's a, cr a crank in your neck and there's a pain there, please don't do the exercise. Otherwise, do this exercise. The Bible says in the Amplified, in Hebrews 12, it says this, looking away from two, yes? Looking away from every distraction, yes? So, looking away from two, from two, from two, from two. A little bit more action, please. <laughs> it says this, looking away from everything that will distract you to Jesus, the author and the finisher of your faith. Now, I, you may need to do this every morning and every afternoon and look in the mirror and have a little bit of mental therapy and turn it around and put it away and say, no way, I'm not doing this. I'm doing this. Yeah. Amen. Because now I need to focus on Jesus. And here Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, uh, 8, 9, and 10, here's what he says, which is so wonderful. I'm paraphrasing it now. But he says, instead of God helping, me, helping you with your problem, your problem is helping you with God. What he's saying in that part, when he talks about all the terrible things that happened to him in Asia, he says, here's what happened. My problem has turned me around 190 degrees and is driving me into Jesus. Let me ask you this tonight. If your problem has driven you into Jesus, how bad can your problem be? I talked to a lady last night, and I don't have time to go into this because I'm only a third through my message and I'm in trouble. This lady has been through more than I can ever describe. She's the sweetest, most beautiful lady. I used to go to their church in Watford in England. And you know the thing is, they're now out here, the pastor, I preach for them about once a year. Great, great people. They have had indescribable things happen. Indescribable things. She just said, just to overview it, because there's a lot other stuff in the middle of it all. But she said to me last night, when I was 40, I got diabetes. When I was 50... When I was 50, I had cancer. When I was 60, which is just turned, I had a heart, very heart problem, and was on the very edge of having a massive heart attack. And you know what? I listened to her last night, and I tell you, I just sat there, and I felt like I was listening to a ministering angel. 
She shared the sweetness of Jesus. She oozed the sweetness of Jesus. We talked about it, and she has been so grateful over the years. In fact, she's written a book, and I've got a big mention in the book, and that's a good thing. And, 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 <laughs> because I have walked with them on a lot of the journey, worked with a lot of the journey. Do you know tonight, I need that to happen. I need to make sure that it's so easy for me that I can get my problems and close Jesus out. And then I'm in trouble, and nobody can help me. But God has grace for all my situations, and His grace is like uh, uh, one guy in England in the, in, in the a great organization over there, the Keswick, which a lot of people might know about, and, and uh, uh, they had a, a, their, their national get-together, and uh, while they were all there in that ministry conference, uh, a couple who had left the, uh, the little daughter with the mother, his mother, I think, left him with the mother, and they got a phone call during the conference. Their little five-year-old had got killed while they were away. You imagine that kind of news. So what happened is the, the, uh, the leadership all got around them, all prayed with them, prayed that God's grace would be sufficient, prayed that God's grace would be sufficient, and then they released them to go home. He goes back, and he, and he, he says this, he goes back and goes into his mother's house and uh, and took the, the, the reports in and threw it on the bed. And as he turned around, he had to come out of, his, of, of the room at his mother's place, up over the top of the door is a little placard, and it says, my grace is sufficient for you. And he raced out onto the lawn, spread eagles himself on the lawn, and he screamed and screamed and screamed at God. He said, your grace is not sufficient. Your grace is not sufficient. You can imagine he's devastated. And he said, your grace is not sufficient. And he said, God came and spoke to him in the most unbelievable, incredible way. And God said to him, don't you ever say something is not when I say it is. Do you know that was the grace of God, that word? But God could have easily have saved the five-year-old the same as speaking to him. Do you see why we can't lock into some formula? Do you see why that will never, ever work? Do you see God promises the grace? But you imagine that. Don't say, God, don't say it's not when I say it is. God's grace is sufficient. I need to draw on that all the time. And when you have family and when you have children, and in fact, and when you even live in the planet, you need the grace of God. Yes. We need to lift our eyes tonight. I want to encourage you because not everything happens the way we want it to or how we want it to or the way that we want it to and we want to do the big breakthrough and do the big thing. Amen. Am I doing all right, brother? Am I, am I okay yet? Getting close. Getting close. Jeepers. Where am I at? Oh, and David inquired of the Lord said, Shall I go up against the Philistines? Will you deliver them into my hand? And the Lord said to him, Go up, for I will deliver them into your hand. And so they went up to baal Perazim, and David defeated them there. And then David said, God has broken through my enemies by my hand like a breakthrough of water. Therefore they called the name of that place baal Perazim. And when they left their gods there, David gave a commandment, and they burned with, them with fire. Then the Philistines once again, oh, flip, you'd think that they'd really get the message. But it happens again and again and again. No, 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 no more, no more, no more. I don't know, but they're again. They keep repeating themselves the same stupid stuff. And then David inquires again of the Lord, and God said to him, you will not go up. 
but circle around them and come upon them in front of the mulberry trees. <laughs> Do you know what? They had built a doctrine around that. Whenever I was in Pentecost, I remember them building a doctrine around that. I don't know if you ever knew a chorus called The Move Is On, The Move Is On, The Move Is On, My Lord, The Move Is On. I hear a rustle in the mulberry trees and the move. You build doctrines around a message. Here's what's wrong about that is, do you notice one of the most important things is God never does the same thing twice. Same enemy, same kind of people, but what is important is we need to be staying in the presence of God, biding in the presence of God, inquiring of the Lord. I can't use my expertise or my education or my ability to think things through or even my own reasoning of any kind. I need to be always inquiring of the Lord because every day it's different. Every situation is different. Even if the problem's the same, God's answer may be very different. He's not locked into that little thing. Do you see that? So David commanded him and they drove back uh, uh, the army of the Philistines from Gibeon as far as Gezer and then the fear of the Lord went into all the land. The next reading that we have got, let, can we just turn up the next reading please? This is an incredible thing. In the third year of Sirius king of Persia, a message was revealed to Daniel whose name was called Belteshazzar. The message was true but the appointed time was long. Do you know something? We give up too easy. We give in too easy. Daniel kept struggling and struggling and praying and struggling and praying. And sometimes we think, God hasn't heard me. God's not listening. God's not on my case. Let me tell you this. The word was true. The promise is true. What we don't handle well is the appointed time. The appointed time does not rest in our ability. And there may be some of you tonight that I have felt when I've been preparing and getting ready for tonight that some of you get discouraged and you get despondent because something that you've been praying about or you felt you had a word from God for and nothing's happening. I want you to tell you tonight the word was true, but the appointed time is long. Let's really hang in there and believe God. Now, I'm going to flick through this quickly to get out of here because I'm running out of time, I'm sure of it. Oh, I see red. Okay. <laughs> uh, uh, uh. <laughs> <laughs> well, that does make me go. <laughs> I'll get mad again. <clears throat> when the time is right, I, the Lord, will make it happen. Amen. Next slide, please. Don't doubt in the dark what you learned in the light. Man, I tell you something, that's so easy to do. Did God speak to me? Is that really God's promise? I don't know. You know, you can enlarge in that a lot, but do you see that? Just grab, the, just grab the picture because I'm out of time, please. And now, do you see that next one, please? Trusting God in the light's easy, but trusting Him in the dark, that is faith. Charles Haddon Spurgeon. Next one. So two very important things I want to look at tonight. Now I'm starting my message. <laughs> we can have intermission if you want. Now... <laughs> Two things, I'm going to leave them with you. I'm not going to expound on them. No, I'm not. I am not. I will not. God does what God does God's way. Amen. His plan, his method is not tied into your methodology, time frame, or how we think he works. No formula finally works. Not even the formula that no formula finally works. Because God can do it again. Amen. 
Let's not lock in to what our formulas are. Principles never change. Methodology changes all the time. Let's have a little look at the next thing. So the timing of God is vital when the fullness of time. Don't give up. Live in today with hope for tomorrow. Hope is confident expectations and excited anticipation. Amen. And, and then we had that. The, when Sean was over there, he, he brought this little thing which I thought was good. Don't quit in the dip. I like that little saying he mentioned, yes? Look at this. Since we are employed by the mercies of God and not by our own qualifications, quitting is never an option. Yeah. Is that a good scripture? Now, one more here. Now, don't jump any more until I... <laughs> He's with you, brother, but it's all right. This is it. I'm going to finish because I had a whole lot of stuff. Hey, do you like this little thing? Yeah. Do you know that sometimes what we have to be like is a little puppy? Mutters in the, in the pound, and he doesn't get downhearted. He doesn't get upset by the wire, by the confinement, by things not happening, feeling that he's trapped by circumstances or the situation's bad. He's not lying in the corner moaning. He's standing there at the wire. Today's the day. And then the next day, today's the day. And the next day, today's the day. He lives there with expectant uh, expected hope and anticipation and excitement. Amen. Today's the day. You may be going every day, but today we're going to praise God. The word comes today. The word comes today. Amen. The word comes today. Today's the day. And I knew it. 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 And then we have a big... <laughs> and then we have a big testimony at the end. And everybody claps at the testimony. Do you know what? I love the testimonies when they're standing behind the wire, when they're standing in the problem, when they're standing in the situation, when they're standing in the pine, and they're standing with anticipation, with confident excitement and confidence that God is on the job. I'm not out of this yet. This is not over yet. But oh, hallelujah, today could be the day. Yeah. Amen. Today. And I knew it, I knew it, I knew it, I knew it, I knew it. Amen. Thank you for taking the time to listen. If you have any questions, please email us at admin at victorychurch.net.au. 